Grace, mercy, and peace to each one of you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you please bow your head with me? Dear Father, we know that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void because that is what you have promised, that it will accomplish that purpose for which you send it. We ask that it would be true in each of our cases this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I'd like to begin this morning by reminding you of a little bit of history as we start because I went to a secular university when I was in college and didn't know the, the, uh, the Old Testament history very well, and we may have someone who uh, also doesn't know the Old Testament history very well and has a hard time telling apart who is who among those Old Testament uh, people that we come across. And so I'll just start by mentioning this. There was a guy who lived roughly 2,000 years before Jesus lived. His name was Abraham. And God took Abraham and he said to Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm going to do my work through you and through your descendants and you will become a very numerous people, a great nation. And then through your descendants, I will bless the world. And of course, he did that when he sent Jesus, and Jesus was a descendant of Abraham, of course. Now, it took Abraham a while before he had a son. Oftentimes, God promises take a while to be fulfilled. But he finally had a son, and his name was Isaac. And Isaac grew up, and Isaac had two sons. One was named Esau, and the other was named Jacob. And then they grow up, and while they were young men, we learned that Jacob was sort of a shady character when he was young, young man. He, in fact, cheated his brother out of something that was very valuable, and Esau got so upset about it that he wanted to kill Jacob. And so Jacob's father, his mother too for that matter, said, you better get out of here, you better run, and... Uh, and leave this place. But before he left, now Esau was already married, but Jacob was not. And so Jacob's father took Jacob and he said, said this to him. He said, do not take a wife from these people around here. They were living in Canaan. He said, do not take a Canaanite for a wife, but rather go up to your mother's relatives. When you are running from your brother, run to your mother's relatives and take a wife from among them. And he's very specific about that. So Jacob began a journey that will take several weeks, maybe even several months. It's hundreds of miles away. And our lesson for this morning begins when Jacob arrives on the spot where he's going to then stay and meet his, his mother's relatives. And so here's what we read in our lesson for this morning. So Jacob went on his journey... And came to the land of the people of the east. Now while he was speaking with them, who's he speaking to? Well, he had come to a well, no doubt. They're going to they're gonna get a drink after journeying for however long they had been journeying on that day. They come to a well, and they're at a well, and a bunch of shepherds, it's a community well, and a bunch of shepherds had gathered around to water their sheep. And that's who he's talking to. Now while he was still speaking with them, 
Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. That was Rebekah's dad's sister. And so she ran and told her father. And there ends our lesson for this morning. It is the word of God upon which we want to think about for just the next few minutes. I don't think there can be any doubt, can there, that when Jacob arrived, he's a happy man. He weeps for joy, cries on Rachel's shoulder. Well, why? Why is he so happy? Well, first off, he's, he's just completed a, who knows how many hundreds of miles. I didn't, I didn't actually look and figure it out, but it was several hundred miles journey. Probably wondering along the way if he's ever going to get there. And he finally makes it. And not only does he make it, he's at exactly the right spot. This is the spot where his, his family lives, his family on his mother's side. Secondly, he finds out God keeps his promises. Because God had promised him along the way, one night, God appeared to him and promised he's going to bless him. And now all of a sudden he sees the fulfillment, at least the partial fulfillment of this promise of God. God is indeed blessing him. And then thirdly, he's been told to find a wife among these people. And who's the first person he meets? Rachel. Well, the first woman he meets is Rachel. No doubt God keeps his promises. And all of that, I think, is what is captured in this moment of relief when Jacob cries on Rachel's shoulder. This moment did not happen by accident. Now, if you and I were to believe what the movies teach us about finding true love, you would think that finding a compatible spouse is, well, it just happens by accident. It happens when you bump into somebody at the supermarket and spill their groceries, and then as you're helping them pick up, pick them back up, and you reach for the green beans, and they reach for the green beans, and your hands touch, and you look into their eyes, then all of a sudden you realize, this is the one, you know. Well, God would have you and I to be more proactive than waiting for an accident to happen because in God's economy, there's no accidents. Two answers to prayer, right? The idea of finding a spouse, or in this idea of finding a spouse, God would have us be proactive. And what I mean by that is to to have a plan. Jacob didn't run to this country because he was running from his brother. Now, he was running from his brother, but he could run anywhere and run from his brother. He ran to this place because he was going there to find his wife. And specifically, to avoid getting a wife from the people of the Canaanites. Now, why would that be? Why would Isaac tell him specifically, do not take a wife from among these Canaanites? Well, Archaeologists have found, and now we know why, that, that the Canaanites had 
We're a very wicked people. Even going so far as to sacrifice, it is believed, their children to their gods. And to find a wife among the Canaanites meant that Jacob would be finding someone who would not enhance his relationship with the true God, but rather might detract from that relationship with the true God, might even take his, steal his heart away from the true God. And so there's application here, isn't there, for you and me. Be selective when you are finding a spouse. And the spiritual criteria is number one. Now, for some of you in this room, finding a spouse may be the very last thing on your mind. And really, there are some of us probably in this room for whom God's plan doesn't include marriage. St. Paul's Exhibit A for that kind of a that kind of a life. And so if you don't have the nagging thought in the back of your mind that you should be finding someone to get married to, why, don't feel that that's something unusual. God has a plan for you. And he will fulfill that plan in you and through you. Of course, not if Adam and Eve had had that idea, none of us would be here. But, but, uh, but there, are, there is that, uh, that component of people for whom God has no plans for a spouse for you. Even if you feel that way now, perhaps your mind will change. And in the future, you will desire a spouse. The Bible says, he who desires a wife desires a good thing. There are others of you who greatly desire the companionship of a husband or wife. And for some of you, it is likely on your mind almost every day. And so is there any advice we might give? And well, we've already given some. The first was be selective. The second would be this. Take this to God in prayer, likely you already have. In fact, you may be saying, well, I've been praying about this, and, and there's no possibilities yet. You might be saying, I, I don't see any answer in sight. And that's the right way to say it. I don't see an answer in sight. The answer may not be in your sight, but it is in God's sight if you've been praying about it. He may already be answering it, and you just don't know it yet. You see, when God works with people, he has to work very carefully so he doesn't destroy them. And sometimes it takes a long time to accomplish his purpose in someone, to change their heart, to change their, their ways of behavior. And he may have a lot of work yet to do with you before you will be a good spouse or a good marriage partner. Or he may have a lot of work yet to do on that other person before they, may, before they will be mature enough to be able to survive living with you, right? Who, that's, a, that's a little harsh, isn't it? But, but, uh, but right? I think you get the point. And so pray, but realize that when God works through his instruments, he works through his means, sometimes that takes time in people's lives. And then thirdly, you should already have in your mind an idea of the kind of person whom you want to have as a spouse. And we already said that number one on your list of criteria for the type of person you want to marry is, is the spiritual criteria. And the reason you want to have this in your mind is because it's very easy to be caught up in your emotions and your feelings when you meet someone and you realize that you have a lot in common and all of a sudden you have what, I don't know what they call it now, we used to call it chemistry. You know, you meet somebody and wow, I just have such great chemistry with this person. They see things the same way I do. And you know what? You can have chemistry with a lab rat, but it doesn't mean you're going to marry one, right? And, 
And that sensation is not what God calls love. That's a sensation, and it can overwhelm your other senses if you don't already have a strong idea of the type of spouse that God wants you to marry. Now, on the other hand, you don't want to set up an impossible standard and, and say, well, I've, I want to have a spouse that is, that is so godly. There's nobody else like this person. In fact, that person's not even like that person that I have in my mind. You don't want an impossible standard because every potential spouse you will ever meet will be a sinful person. Every single one. Just like you are. Just like I am. And so the first characteristic of someone that you want to have on your list of characteristics for a potential spouse is that before you will get serious with a person, you want to make sure that that person has a first-hand knowledge and trust that their sins have been washed away in the blood of Christ and that they know also that your sins too have been washed away in the blood of Christ. And you need to have that certain knowledge and trust also that your sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And if you both carry that mindset into a marriage, it has an added benefit. First off, you're both on your way to the same destination, on your way to heaven. But also it brings a humility toward each other before God that makes it much easier to reconcile when you find that you're having a disagreement, and you will have them. It is in this forgiveness that we have in Jesus that you want to be at the forefront of your Christian life, but also of your marriage. And may God grant that by his Holy Spirit for you and for me in Jesus. Amen. Would you please bow your head with me? Gracious Father, we thank you that by your grace you have instituted marriage in which you not only keep us from unchastity and other offenses, but also provide blessing upon husband and wife. For those who are lonely, we ask that you would give them the blessing of companionship and love, that you would grant this in your time and then for every husband and wife that you would grant that we would live together peaceably in love and godliness and receive your gracious help in all temptations, raise our children in accordance with your will, grant that we all might walk before you in purity and holiness and put our trust in you and lead such lives on earth that in the world to come we may have everlasting life through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.